welcome to Dynasty Never Rest, a podcast focused on Dynasty Fantasy Football, trades, and awesome guest stars. This is episode three of many, and I am super excited to announce our next incredible guest. Um, our guest is Akash. He is the co-host of the R-Squared Fantasy Football Podcast, the biggest Hollywood fan in existence. <laughs> Um, definitely glad to have you here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Excited for this one. So I, I have been told that you are not permitted to speak on running backs. Um, that's right. Yeah. Um, not allowed. So there'll be a lot of wide receiver talk today because, um, I don't want to break any of the rules. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll, uh, I'll break my rules just for you, Zach. Does that, uh, sound good? That sounds great. So now oh. we're just just gonna talk about running backs, just to throw not, you for a loop. Let's not take it too far. I think we should. Uh, <laughs> there's a happy medium here somewhere. All right, all right, all right. So as we kind of start off um, each episode here, since we're kind of in the middle of free agency, we like to break down um, your team's moves and then some of the moves in the NFL that that you've liked so far. So. Let's talk about the Falcons. Um, what have you liked that they've done this offseason? And what have you disliked that they've done this offseason? Um, what I've liked is uh, re-signing Cordero Patterson. Uh, I like him for fantasy too, cheap in dynasty. I can talk about him because he's a running back slash wide receiver. Yeah. Um, but he's good there. Um, he's really a uh, really dynamic piece of the offense. He's our second best offensive playmaker behind Pitts. Uh, I like the Marcus Mariota move. I think it's a fine bridge quarterback, and then we suck this year and try to get a top quarterback next year. I like. I didn't like um the Ridley stuff. That was uh, unfortunate. Yeah, I think we could have got a first out of him if he didn't get suspended. But uh, mm-hmm. there's no way to, that we, anyone could have seen this coming. So it's just unfortunate. And, and then trading. Matt Ryan for a third sucks. It, uh, that, it that's just it. It, it. It's a good move for the franchise, but it sucks. It's really all I've known. I was born in um, 2002. He was drafted 2008. I haven't known the Falcons um, without him. I don't even remember the Mike Vick days. Yeah. And so for him to be gone, I barely even remember before Julio Jones. And so th- now they're both gone, like the uh-huh. two most iconic uh, Falcons of the century. And I don't know. I, I don't know what we do now. It's just a rebuild. Um, so do you, are you projecting maybe the Falcons draft, potentially drafting a quarterback this year? Maybe. I wouldn't rule anything out, but I hope we don't because I would rather be bad for a year with Marcus Mariota and then take a shot on a better quarterback next year. Because I like Malik Willis for fantasy because he rushes a lot. Uh-huh. And also later, like, Corral and Pickett. But... I don't like them all. I don't like them um, where the Falcons are in their draft. I don't like them for the NFL. I don't think that they're that kind of players. And so I would much rather get a high first next year and take a better quarterback prospect than taking a shot at a mediocre one this year. Yeah. um, So I guess who's your ideal draft pick for the Falcons? uh, They've got the eighth pick, right? Yeah. Um, I I would be ecstatic if Kayvon Thibodeau fell there, but... uh, Thibodeau falling there, it's possible. Like, but a lot of people seem to be overthinking him. But uh, I'm not sure about that. But if we can't get him, maybe a receiver or something. I don't know. I'm a lot better at fantasy football than draft <laughs> coverage. No, 
there's no problem with that. Uh, I think Drake London would be a nice fit there um, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, Pitts is fantastic um, as a receiver, but right now um, is, I guess, Ole Mead Zacchaeus, is he the number one wide receiver there right now? I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no. they they need to address something there, and I know it's probably a bridge year, but um, I think we could sign someone like, Landry was visiting the Falcons, but he might go back to the Browns. They got Watson, and then there's other guys available like OBJ and and Fuller, and they're good, but Mm -hmm. maybe they go somewhere else because Falcons don't seem like an ideal place to be right now, especially, (laughs) like, I think Fuller and OBJ get shorter contracts, and so if you're going to sign a one-year deal, wouldn't you rather go play with a better team? Right, a team that has a chance to maybe hit the playoffs. and Exactly. Yeah. Um, So... Let's break down um, some of the bigger pieces in free agency. Who are, who was your favorite signing um, in terms of fantasy relevancy um, this offseason? My favorite? Um, off the top of my head, I like Chase Edmonds in Miami. Yeah. Because people who are better at running backs tell me that they like Chase Edmonds in Miami. Um, in that wide zone scheme that he can be vi- really viable there as a, le- their leading rusher and their best pass catching back. I know they signed Mostert, but uh, I don't. I, I think Chase Edmonds is going to be the guy there with Mostert mixing in uh, a little bit, but not as much as Edmonds. Others, um, the Russell Wilson trade is going to be big for how does – oh, what pitch trade? Um, I haven't traded him yet, but I did uh, did get an offer. It's the 101 and Derek Carr for um, Pitts, Mariota, and Trubisky. Oh, okay. That's Pitts for sure. Yeah. Always yeah. Pitts. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's really good. Um, but as I was saying, uh, the Russell Wilson trade – I'm not the biggest Judy guy, and I don't think I'll be the biggest Sutton guy, even though I like him more than Judy. But they definitely get help from that. Uh, Fan gets shipped off to Seattle, and he gets stuck with Drew Locke again. I don't know what move they make at quarterback, but I hope they land Baker because I have Baker shares that don't need him becoming a backup. That's for sure. I I think it's really slim Mm -hmm. that Baker becomes a backup. I I mean, I think the Lions could even move a third-round pick for him. And but then I have Goff shares that don't want Goff becoming a backup. So that's a whole but, thing. But Goff, after this year, I think is a backup. <laughs> Probably. Whether, whether they trade for Baker. He's, I got a couple Goff in like the 14th, 15th round of Superflex drafts. I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll take it. And it yeah. doesn't feel great like taking a guy who might become a backup, but quarterback production is cheap enough there. But yeah, when you're in the 14th, 15th round, a lot of the guys that, that, have potential there are going to be those bridge sort of quarterbacks that are going to have a couple years of relevancy mm-hmm. and then they're just going to die on your roster and so <laughs> pretty much yeah you just hope they find their way into a starting job somehow some way like bridgewater did or something <clears throat> yeah so um i really like the chase Edmonds signing i i'm a chase Edmonds guy um i was last year before the injury and um, and so I, I really do like that one, but I gotta say, um, 
the Russell Wilson trade's my favorite. Um, just, mm-hmm. I'm a big Judy guy. I know that you don't love Judy. Um, no. um, I just think he's an incredible route runner, and I think that um, when targeted, he he's open. And when targeted, yes. yes. That's, the, that's the key thing. He doesn't really <laughs> earn targets as much, you know? Yes. He'll well, be okay in that offense. It'll be a, a high efficient off, uh, high efficiency offense. We think probably a higher volume than we saw Russ have in Seattle. So, in a good offense with a good quarterback, even a wide receiver who earns targets at like a okay, not great rate, can be can have good relevancy, like um, like what Mike Williams or Hunter Renfro did last year. Um, where who's a player that you? see even sort of in wide receiver um value in terms of jerry judy um what so like if you were to do a one for one trade um for a different wide receiver with judy um if you were trading for judy who would you who would be the best wide receiver that you would send for if i was trading for judy Mm -hmm. i know that you never trade for judy but (laughs) (laughs) uh that's a tough one uh, I'm trying to look at the ADP to sh- see which one highest in ADP I, I would actually move, because that's what that's what uh, I would tell people, and then they wouldn't be able to make that move because it's not very realistic. Right. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's tough. Is he like, in the Allen Robinson, Mike Williams, Hunter Renfro range? Is he higher than that? That's a, that's, that's about right. Yeah, I think like. Right next to Claypool, I think. I don't. Okay. I don't do rankings because I find them not very productive. Because linear rankings tend to um, not not work the best for sh- displaying what your actual opinions are. Because it says I definitely like this guy more than this guy. Mm-hmm. When in actual reality, it's like I slightly like him more. But I think the player B could totally uh, be better than player A. It's just a matter of um, which you can get like cheaper or which. Um, another person's more willing to let go of. And so linear rankings, I'm not the biggest fan of them. But if I was to make linear rankings, I guess I would have them. I would have Judy like, I don't know, in that same tier as guys like like Claypool or something. Oh, yeah. That, that's higher than I thought. Um, I, I don't hate him. For he, he, um, his production through two years wasn't amazing, but he still had a decent target share. And now we expect him to be in a, pretty solid offense and so he he has um wide receiver two production in his range of outcomes i think that he, he's probably a wide receiver three which which is why i think he's overpriced and he could be a wide receiver four just because of variance um but there's definitely a path for him to be pretty relevant absolutely all right so now here comes the more fun one what mm-hmm. is the worst signing in for free agency that's happened <laughs> it's christian kirk no questions no question about it. That was such a bad signing. Yeah, uh, that was. I've asked this to each of my podcast guests, and that was definitely the first one I highlighted. I mean, it was an absolute gross overpay for a guy who yeah. hasn't eclipsed a thousand yards, has had four one hundred yard games in his entire career. It's it's just absurd. Right. I I posted on Twitter the other day. Um, who's better, Chris Godwin or Christian Kirk? Um, should be like 90-10 <laughs> Godwin. Because 
um, Kirk got more money than Godwin. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a tough deal for Jacksonville. I wonder if uh, they had to pay like a little bit of a Jacksonville tax, but the cap should be going up, and so I think in a couple of years it won't look as bad as it looks today. Yeah, and, and that's totally a potential um, possibility. It just still a bad you, sign. Yeah, when you look at it now, it's just like. At the time, he was the third highest paid wide receiver. Now, now he's the second after Julio got cut. Oh, no, because now he's back to third because Devontae Adams got yeah. big. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. That's it's okay. It's uh, it's not that bad. Not as uh, bad as that stat makes it look. Especially, I'm not a big contract guy, but the way the contract is uh, set up structured, it's worse yeah. than that. It's, it's not as bad as third highest in the league. But it's, uh, I don't know. They, they overpaid and they already got – I'm curious to see how that offense looked because they signed a slot tight end and a slot receiver, and then they already have a slot receiver in LaVisca Chenault, and then they also paid big money to Zay Jones on the outside, and they still have Marvin Jones. And so I don't know so, how that offense is going to look. Just so um, has that changed your outlook of Lawrence um, and your dynasty perspective? Not really. It's just uh, – Lawrence to me is uh, it's pretty big risk reward. Like we have an idea that he's good because he was a really good prospect. Rookie season wasn't great, but a lot of rookies don't have good rookie seasons. Rookie quarterbacks, and so um, it's tough because I think he absolutely could um, bounce back, so to speak, and uh, uh, then he would be vaulted into probably a top top twelve pick in um, superflex. But yeah. then he also has very little value insulation left. If he fails again, his value is just going to crumble mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, people don't want to give second chances uh, again after another after a first second chance. I guess that's a third chance. People don't like handing those out to a guy who hasn't produced much through two years. And so if he if he doesn't um, bounce back, then it's uh, it's going to be horrible for his value. So I think it's a really risky proposition to invest in right now. I think there's a certain price where I, I like it, like the third round of startups, but his ADP is closer to the second. And so, mm-hmm. um, in Superflex startups, would you have Lance and Fields above Lawrence? Yeah. Yeah. Even Just though Jimmy G hasn't team. left yet. Hmm. Even though Jimmy G hasn't left yet. Uh, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, it's not tough. I know my answer is uh, I still love Lance, and I think that the cream will rise i mean they spent the third uh they traded three first for the guy uh drafted him with the third overall pick this isn't jordan love or anything where there's an mvp <laughs> quarterback in his way and love was a worse quarterback prospect mm-hmm. this is vastly different where lance was uh drafted higher better prospect jimmy g is not good um i think eventually like, even if he doesn't get moved i think um i guess he would just back up lance or something lance will eventually start and when he starts touch the field he's probably gonna be a top 12 quarterback in production and we also have an idea that he's a good quarterback because he was drafted highly and he was good in college i know it was an fbs thing and so if you want to adjust for that that's fine but still he has the high draft capital and uh rushing and that makes him a really good asset yeah i guess i just i hate waiting on that when kyle shanahan's gonna do the right thing because (laughs) kyle shanahan is just so frustrating from a fantasy perspective, you know the whole Brandon I'm, Ayuk debacle. Yeah. Um, that was a that was a that was a whole thing for about like <laughs> six weeks. But 
you know, the talent wins out in the end. IU comes back, starts performing again. Lance will prevail. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, who do you think is the best free agent still available? Um, out of offensive players? Yeah. Let's let's go. Who's the most fantasy relevant? Off the top player? of my head, the guys I can think of that are available, I'd have to say. Um, Will Fuller, right? Yeah, Will Fuller. That's I don't know a, who else is available off the top of my head. Um, Gronk, some Melvin mediocre, Gordon, yeah, Ronald Jones. Backs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's Fuller, maybe Gordon, but uh, one of those guys. We're pretty deep in the free agency right now, and so there's not kind of slim pickings, but Fuller, um, is a really good receiver. And if he goes back to the Browns with Deshaun Watson, he could be really productive again. Um, top 24 in points per game. I know yeah. everyone hates him because of the injuries, <laughs> but at the price that you have to pay to get him, the opportunity cost is so low that I just, I have him on like, what is it? 40% of my dynasty teams right now. Just I've just been scooping him up pretty much for free-ish. I mean, it's not totally free. Total, there's a, I can almost guarantee you that someone drafted after Will Fuller will uh, be valued higher than him uh next year mm-hmm. but i have no idea who that is and no one has any idea of who that is and so, right you know when last i say year, yeah, opportunity, that... opportunity cost it's just i don't yeah. think the guys drafted around him have very high chances of succeeding guys like and jefferson nico collins joshua palmer they're not very good and fuller is proven good whenever he plays and so i'll take that yeah he's he's definitely worth the cost in my opinion i mean you're basically i've sent a bunch of late thirds to get him in dynasty um, just because when he is on the field, he's phenomenal. And, and last year, he was really never on the field. And so, yeah, he only played a couple games. The thing with trading for him is the guy who has him on their team probably already <laughs> liked him despite the injuries because right. they uh, drafted him despite all that. And so, might be harder to wrestle him out in a trade, but the startups where I'm getting a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We are going to move on to our main topic of the day, and we're going to um, teach you a little wide receiver analysis and, and focus on some of the the most important statistics that we use when um, evaluating wide receiver talent and, and being able to figure out that, you know, Josh Palmer maybe isn't the guy or Terrace Marshall isn't that guy and so exactly and seeing where you know dj moore is that guy and mm-hmm. and, and we are both big fans of dj moore um That's so right. um th- that bonds us together and uh so we're just gonna kind of break down wide receiver important wide receiver statistics so uh why don't you go ahead and, and take Tackle your first one here, and then we'll kind of just alternate. Yeah, the first one, it's kind of a layup, but it's something that a lot of people tend to overlook. Points per game is a really good wide receiver stat. It's a really good stat for every position. Simply put, the guys who produce probably continue to produce. There's no guarantees of fantasy football. The um, correlation of every stat to next year's stats are low for every for pretty much every stat. But um, per, uh, points per game is one of the better stats we have because players who uh, produce one year typically tend to produce the next year and they um, 
there's an, uh, an old, not old, it's, it's old to me, but it might not be old to some other people. But the Jurassic Park movie where Dr. Ian Malcolm says life finds a way, it's typically true for uh, wide receiver production. That's something that I like to keep in the back of my head. Guys who produce continue to produce. And so sometimes you don't have to overthink it and say, uh, you just got to say, this guy's been really productive throughout his whole career. He's probably going to continue to be productive. Yeah, absolutely. Points per game is, I I feel sometimes it's an overlooked <laughs> metric because sometimes you're like, oh, you know, that's just a four-game sample size or that's just a six-game sample size. Well, when uh, you have a sample size like that, then I don't look at it. Right. I don't care. But I don't, if, a, if a guy only plays four games or six games in a season, I'm not going to look at that season at all. It's really eight-plus where you start to see um, the stats start to uh, become more stable. And so, like, for example, DJ Chark, if I'm, trying, if I'm making a breakdown about him, I'm not going to look at this last season where he had 8.6 points per game. Because he played three games, left the fourth one hurt, and so like right. if he had one long extra touchdown, it's going to make his points per game look a lot better. If he didn't have any touchdowns, it's going to make his points per game look a lot worse. And so I'm, I'm going to look, look back at 2020 stats, 2019 stats, and say this is more of what we should expect from him. All right. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy looking at points per game, and, and it's definitely a good metric to go by when you – when you have a larger sample size, um, mm-hmm. my uh, Fuller had three points per game last year, and he played yeah. one game and left another game early. And so, do mm-hmm. I expect three points per game next year? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, if if you expected that, he probably wouldn't be on any of your teams. That's right. All right, my first metric here is um, target share. I think target share is usually an important metric that I like to evaluate um when when evaluating wide receiver talent um because there are guys like cd lamb um and amari cooper and and neither of them um surpassed a 20 percent target share and and there were lots of injuries in that offense and cooper wasn't on the field and and lamb's target share still didn't go up and and then Michael Gallup was hurt the whole season. And so um, your expectation was kind of that, that Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb um, just break out and have, you know, this 25%, um, 27% target share um, to where they can be um, an elite asset with, with that target share. But that ne- never came. And so, um, like this year, Amari Cooper's obviously not, not a cowboy, um, but people are shooting CD Lamb up the draft boards, um, and his target share was below twenty percent. You know, his target share um, worse than Hunter Renfro, Tyler Lockett, um, Keenan Allen, Debo Samuel, Jacoby Myers, Marquise Brown. All all these guys consistently are above twenty percent target share, and. Um, so I think it's an important statistic uh, to take a look at um, when evaluating um, your wide receiver talent because they can be as talented. I think C.D. Lamb's just a great example of this. He is he's very very talented. Yeah, but if he's not going to get you know the 100, 100 plus targets, you know one hundred twenty targets 
in a season, he's not going to produce like the wide receiver three in dynasty that he is right now. And so guys um, like DJ Moore, he's got a last season. He had a 27% target share with three different quarterbacks. I, with with that in mind, I'm I'm wanting to put DJ Moore in front of CeeDee Lamb in, in terms of my dynasty ranking because you know DJ Moore's going to get targets. You know he's going to get the ball. Um, with CeeDee Lamb, I, I don't have that expectation. I just don't know. Yeah. It's definitely, um, definitely something I, I look at, too. I think my bio... Uh, on Twitter says target share truther, and so I'm I'm definitely with you. The target share be truth. Yeah, but it, you also have to be careful because, like, yeah, Robbie Anderson had an 18 percent target share last season. He was. Are you trying to say Robbie Anderson's bad? <laughs> yes, I am. No, let's not get carried away. No, I'm just kidding. He is. He's not great, but I also have him on some of my dynasty teams because yeah. he's also very cheap. But like and he had an 18% target share last season, like you <laughs> said. And so if yeah. he doesn't um have the like I think out of wide receivers with 90 plus targets or something, he had the worst efficiency in the league by far. And I don't think he's the worst wide receiver in the league by far. And so I think his efficiency does bounce back to the point where he'll have some weeks where he's usable and he'll be he'll be okay. And so I, I find myself interested in Robbie Anderson when he gets to around 19 in startups. Sue yeah. me, right? <laughs> Same with uh, Devontae Parker. They're just cheap wide receiver threes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely definitely interesting because C.D. Lamb and um, Robbie Anderson were 0.5 different in target share last season. Mm-hmm. And right. so it's just, it's just it's something I keep in mind, but it's not like you need yeah. to evaluate all these different things that we're going to talk about in order to create a find who the good prospects are yeah the good players in the nfl um tend to be good in all these stuff and uh, so just because yeah you know robbie lamb having similar target shares but lamb's vastly superior in every other uh metric then i'm probably going to take cd lamb (laughs) spoiler i like cd lamb more than robbie anderson that is shocking holy (laughs) cow now, yeah, and the next one, um, like uh, one of those examples of the other metrics I'm, I'm looking at is yards per team attempt and receiving yards per team pass attempt. Uh, your your uh, favorite analyst talks about yards per run, um, and yards per run is good, but then you also fall into small sample traps. I like both of them, but um, yards receiving yards per team pass attempts functions the same way. It's yards, production on um att- on a attempt basis and so you can look at a uh you can look at production that way you can control for team volume sometimes players on a t- on a team that pass more end up producing more and so if you want to control for that then you can use stuff like yards per team pass attempt and that way by using that and not per route run then you can also eliminate guys who are good on s- a small sample of routes and you can focus on the guys who earned a high n- amount of routes because more routes typically leads to more fantasy points. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely when you have your receiver running more routes, um, their opportunity to get the ball is 
a lot more likely because they are continually running those routes and they're in a position to catch passes. And so, yeah, I think that that is, I think, yeah. So the thing about um, yards per team attempt, yards per team pass attempt is it's a good way to mix efficiency with volume because you need to get a good volume to have to show up well in those stats, but you also need to be efficient in that. I used to think that like efficiency was totally unpredictable and that you shouldn't care about it at all. But a small part of efficiency is, um, is sticky. And so it shows up in this stat and it shows up in other stats as well, that typically the most efficient wide receivers tend to continue to be efficient to some degree. Efficiency will typically rest to the mean, but you will see the guys who are more efficient probably continue to be a little bit more efficient uh, in future seasons, more than at the average. Absolutely. Um, we'll move on to my next one here, and that is Air Yards. And Air Yards has slowly become one of my favorite metrics um, because I feel like it, it really shows people's potential. Um, so when I look at the leader in Air Yards last season, I'll just give you the top 12. Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs, DJ Moore, Tyreek Hill, Terry McLaurin, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Marquise Brown, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, Cortland Sutton, and Tyler Lockett. Those are all just great wide receivers. Um, even though their situations may not have been spectacular, their their air yards, um, you know, Marquise Brown had a quarterback roulette last year um, with Lamar's injury, and he still was a, a leader in air yards and, um, you know, almost had 140 targets, and mm-hmm. but but people are sleeping on him super hard. Um, that's right because he drops the ball sometimes and so he's bad yeah uh same same sort of thing that was happening to Deontay Johnson last offseason is he dropped the ball and so I shouldn't pick him till right sometimes you you think a guy has uh some people uh like to trick themselves into thinking that more volume less efficiency is bad because it means a player is bad because they're not efficient Mm -hmm. and it goes back to what I was saying where um Efficiency matters, but also volume reigns supreme. Where a guy like Deontay saw 144 targets last year, wasn't efficient on them. People say, okay, he's bad because he's not efficient. Now he's going to get less targets. Next season, he ends up getting more targets because (laughs) targets are earned. So he just continues to earn targets and the volume manifests itself in fantasy points. And so you can apply a similar thing to Hollywood Brown, apply a similar thing to all players Mm -hmm. where the volume is just so great that it doesn't... It matters a little bit, but like when I, when I say it doesn't matter, it matters, but it doesn't matter as much as you think mm-hmm. where the volume will be there. And so it doesn't matter what his efficiency is. He'll probably continue to produce good. Well, so are you a believer in, as you were saying that, are you a believer in vacated targets? No. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> just cause you know, guys like Darnell Mooney or um, Marvin Jones or, you know, some of these guys got targets because there was really nobody else there. And so um, do you feel like that's 
just a product of opportunity or do you think that is talent showing through um, like some of these other guys high up on that list? Um, Marvin Jones, I think his target share is pretty mediocre and his total targets, but uh, Darnell Mooney is an interesting thing because I always talk about target share and people go, Oh, what about Darnell Mooney? But then I'm like, it goes back to the thing where I look at every metric and not just target share. Target share is fun but I also want to look at every other metric. And so Darnell Mooney, I didn't have uh, expectations of much of anything coming into this year. He was a day three round five um, wide receiver with mediocre rookie production. Obviously him having what, like 10 points per game and the rest of his peripherals in his rookie season is better than Tylen Wallace having two catches. Right. So there's you no know, little bit of a difference there, but uh, I still didn't have many uh, expectations for him. You know, he didn't have good comps at all. It was basically just um, Renfro, I think, or something, or Baldwin. Some one pro- one productive player and like seven unproductive ones. Right, so, right. Coming into this, uh, something after this year when he has a twenty-seven percent target share, but also bad yards per out run, bad PFF receiving grade, bad yards per team attempt, yards per team pass attempt, and very little production. I'm not going to adjust that much. I'll adjust a little bit because there was a little bit of signal from that target share. But I think it was mostly a function of him just compiling targets where it's not that he's I don't think he's horrible, but he um what's it what's the saying? Out hit his coverage or something <laughs> in terms of earning targets. And so I expect that to come down and him to just be back to mediocrity. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go back to air yards a little bit here. Um, a guy like Cortland Sutton, he only had 95 targets last year. His um, output was not good. He had a 763 yards, um, not what we were expecting from Cortland Sutton. But, but I think he had like eight or nine points per game. It wasn't great. No, it it was not. It you couldn't plug him into your lineup and feel you okay could with for it. half the season, and then. When Judy came back, he just uh, yeah he got targets died. for some yeah. reason, and so the offense fell apart. You know, it's the second they try to integrate Judy, the offense falls apart. What a shocker! <laughs> um, yeah, but Cortland Sun, um, he's a he's an interesting one because you know like you said he had a bunch of air yards, and so um, yeah, what I like to what I like more than air yards is weighted opportunity rating which is their air yard share and their target share combined. There's a way to rate it at 1.5 times target share plus 0.7 times air yard share. So the targets matter more than the air yard share, mm-hmm. but the target share is still important. And so um, in that metric, that that way you can combine, um, you can adjust for the volume of the offense and still look at the air yards, which I really like. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Cortland Sutton was a, hold on, let me pull this up. He was 27th in that. You know, he was solid in it. Um, definitely better than his points per game just because his average depth of target was so high, and so that led to more air yards. Mm-hmm. It was better than his um, target share would indicate, too. Yeah. But uh, it my expectation for him is I think he does have um, wide receiver one in his range of outcomes next year, but I would expect wide receiver two production, and there's a possibility we see wide receiver three and four production. Well, I think it's... The Broncos is tough because, like, I feel 
both Sutton and Judy have that back end wide receiver one um, opportunity um, and with Russ throwing to them. And um, so, but each of them is kind of going to deflate the mm-hmm. other one's value. And so um, kind of like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have done a little bit. Um, yeah. I think I, I tweeted about those when the trade happened that DK and Lockett are better than their respective. I think people compare Lockett to Judy because they're both small and yeah. then compare DK to Sutton because they're both tall. When I think that both of the Seattle counterparts are much better players. Uh, Sutton's an interesting one because this last season he had 90% target share and like 27th in weighted opportunity rating when in 2019, like his peak, he was insane in both those metrics. It was like 26% target share and third in the league in weighted opportunity rating, Mm -hmm. only behind Hopkins and Michael Thomas. And so he was really good. It's just his quarterbacks were bad and people were really hyped about that because you have a wide receiver coming off his second year with terrific peripherals. Um, and it was just like, oh, targets. We we just need to see the QB upgrade. People were, were excited about Drew Locke because he threw <laughs> three touchdowns against the Texans in one game. Yeah. I, I never understood that, but I could totally understand where the sudden hype was coming from. Then he tears his ACL, you know, tough, misses the rest of the season. He comes back the next season, comes out of the gate strong, uh, which is not something we expect with ACL. Normally we see more like, Saquon and Odell where they start off slow right and then later down the season starts to falter which is something that I've seen people say like oh coming off the ACL Sutton we can't expect much and we should expect um him to be better two years removed from the ACL but you know I'm not a big fan of splitting data when looking at projections but if you want to split the data but I'm totally fine with splitting the data here to look at return from ACL Mm-hmm. smarter people than me have talked to me about this and that's the only reason i'm saying this i'm not <laughs> a doctor um but his um him doing well at the beginning of the season and faltering through the end of the season isn't uh doesn't line up with what we expect coming off of acl surgery and so it's tough for me to, for for me to project him because it's like was the um 2019 season just him being a bit of a compiler or something and you know out hitting his uh coverage the same way Mooney did or was it or in his um 2021 sudden more like the real thing probably somewhere in between and with Russ I think that definitely gives him uh wide receiver one low wide receiver one in his range of outcomes he could totally hit like 50 points per game sneak into the high wide receiver two low wide receiver one yeah yeah he he has such a vast range of outcomes because we've seen Mm -hmm. him play at that high level yeah um and be a great fantasy contributor but we've also seen the end of last season where he was getting two receptions a game for 25 yards and his price is absolutely reasonable like the 10 11 crown startup with mm-hmm. that kind of ceiling i'm interested maybe i should have more of him yeah but at that point um you start to shift your focus more towards the ceiling than the floor like mm-hmm. In that range, I don't care as much about right. like the floors of Sutton, Tony, Allen Robinson, etc. Because the I can I can see that uh, good ceiling is totally within the range of outcomes. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to our third metric here. Okay, let's go. Uh, mine, PFF receiving grade. Um, basically, the only part of film that I use is PFF <laughs> receiving grade, and a lot other PFF grades too, but. 
PFF receiving grade has solid um, correlation with next year's production. Um, I guess they're good at watching film, and that's why a lot of people pay them to do it. <laughs> and uh, so if you show up well in those, if you're like, if say CD Lamb, mediocre target share, but like really good. PFF really likes him, and he's a top 10 receiver in their grades. Um, and like top, he's really good in like yards per run or something, which they which they got. Mm-hmm. Then I'm gonna like him more than a guy who has a really bad uh, PFF receiving grade mm-hmm. and really bad yards per run, uh, who has a high target share. So, yes, I do like. Um, I think I think I like Lamb more than I like Hollywood. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> hot take. I mean, it seems like a hot take. Uh, relative, like if you know me and like right. I don't know. To me, it feels like a hot take because I know how I think, and normally I'm a big target share guy. Yeah, but, but if I, you asked anybody else in the fantasy, they would totally say CD Lamb. <laughs> but they're really close for me. That's the uh, that's the thing. They're not close for a lot of people. I could totally see Lamb being better. So can I ask you where I could totally Hollywood, see Hollywood being better? Can I ask you where Hollywood is in your dynasty rankings? I just told you at the beginning. I don't do dynasty. Well, rankings. okay. In about whereabouts? Yeah. What's the grouping? that he is with he would be around like you'd be like higher than 20 okay same range as like uh devonta smith and elijah moore okay i i mean i i can definitely see that but he he gets taken right around darnell mooney right now right which is like if you like <laughs> darnell mooney for some reason then Hollywood's why not like marquis brown version. Because Marquise Brown is everything that Darnell Mooney is, except a lot better with actual NFL production. Mm-hmm. He's drafted highly, and he actually has a, a really good role, and he earns his targets alongside other good players, unlike Darnell Mooney. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's he's got a better quarterback. Um, That's right, he does. Right. Um, it's like Hollywood has everything going for him. He's got the volume. He's got good quarterback play. And he's got an offense that passes a lot. Like, people think the Ravens are going to go back to their archaic ways. Why would they do that? Passing <laughs> is so much better in today's NFL. Yeah. If you can have, if you like have a top two tight end in the league, as well as Hollywood, who you drafted in the first round a couple years ago, Bateman, who you just drafted in the first round, you give your tight end big money. You're about to give your quarterback big money. I don't see why you would focus your offense around J.K. Dobbins and Lamar's rushing. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty peculiar. Where and um, when Hollywood came out of the draft, um, I was not a fan of him going to uh, Baltimore. I did not believe in um, Lamar Jackson as a passer, um, and he has definitely changed my perspective um, <laughs> with how he's performed on the field. That's, um, how, but, that's why you bet on the talent, my man. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, but there's sometimes that the, the talent doesn't win out. Um, and I had watched Lamar a lot in college, mm-hmm. and I just didn't think he could do it against NFL defenses. Um, I did just... not. I didn't play Dynasty until um, the class after that. So gotcha. I can't say what I thought that back then. Uh, <laughs> I, I started in the Justin Jefferson class. I remember because I drafted him in my first ever dynasty startup. Nice. I kind of fell bass awkward into him because yeah. I was going off one person's rankings and they had Rager over Jefferson. 
Mm-hmm. So fifth round I get Rager, and then sixth round I get Jefferson. <laughs> Just fell totally bass awkward into it, oh, but man. we still uh, came up on top because yeah, Cause... whatever. I sold Jalen Rager for like I think I packaged him with um with another pick to get uh, Calvin Ridley. Ended up and then that pick <laughs> ended up being Michael Carter. Well, that's and not so bad. I thought I won that until the whole suspension and not playing thing. Which yeah. Yeah. Um, my third metric here is success by route. And um, I see success by route because of Matt Harmon. Mm-hmm. And he's just one of the best in the game. But I just love seeing his little charts and seeing the success by route um because he posted about Allen robinson a couple of days ago and um his success by route you know he's really good at corner routes uh nine routes flats um but he he kind of sh- struggles at, at outs and digs and and so <clears throat> i just love seeing those little analysis on each individual wide receiver because um then he did one on mark because Marquez Valdez scantily, and it was like this guy can catch two routes, and that is it. Are they the go route, and then <laughs> what, like a slant or something? What's he good at? It's a it's a corner and a go. Yeah, <laughs> so bad. I heard he was gonna fetch like ten mil a year in free agency. I have no idea if that's uh, true. If he does, so far, no suitors. If he does, that would be nuts. Right. The um, uh, role of him is basically what. Fancy, expensive Jalen Guyton in an offense run basically. Pass and deep ball. Yeah, and I would almost prefer Guyton because <laughs> <laughs> um, he's cheap. Yeah, yeah. But then they posted Devonte Adams, and he has a high success rate on every single route. <laughs> what a shock! <laughs> and and so- I, I love that one because uh, for Matt Harmon, because I, I remember uh, everyone loves Amari Cooper as a route runner. Uh-huh. And then my rebuttal to that is, well, if he's, he could be a good route runner. Yeah. I don't watch the film, so I can't tell you that, but he still doesn't earn targets at a high rate. And then, um, Matt Harmon comes in and says, actually, Amari Cooper's an overrated route runner. I'm like, yes, let's go. <laughs> I was right. Yeah. He, he's just, if you don't follow Matt Harmon on Twitter, you, you should. Um, I actually, um, pay for his content because it's That's just, right some of the best um mm-hmm. in the Harman industry and pff are some of my favorite film grinders because they actually quantify their work and then i can work with it so i really like them right yeah it it definitely um i don't i don't pay for a lot of fantasy sites and stuff like that but i do pay for both pff and uh, matt Harmon's reception perception because yeah, they're worth they it just, absolutely they just help you kind of pick out um, players that just aren't worth it. Um, and I wish I would have um, did some more Matt Harmon research into Ter- Terrace Marshall because I fell <laughs> in lo- love with him last off season, And um, it did not turn out well for me. <laughs> right. I remember um, DFB encounter talking about Marshall after his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And saying something I totally agree with. I looked my process in the face and said that I knew better than it. And that's totally what so many people, including me and including him, did with Terrace Marshall. Yeah, well, I 
I just got so enamored with Jefferson and Chase that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this guy's, you know, in the same system. He right. was coached by the same people. He worked right beside him. He's he's just been overshadowed by those guys. <laughs> he's he's really just an absolute stud, and he's going to prove it this year. And it's funny because I made those excuses for Marshall, and I didn't make them for Smith and Waddle. In fact, I hated Smith and uh, Waddle. Uh-huh. And then it actually works for those guys and bites <laughs> in the ass of Marshall. But yeah. it's okay. I foregoed a lot of Terrace Marshall to draft Elijah Moore, so my dynasty teams ended up okay, even if like my takes on Twitter didn't. Yeah. So I'm still uh, still doing well. Um, I uh, I I I did end up parting with the 112 last year. Or no, the 112. I sold my 112 for this year for Terrace Marshall, and um, oh. although I don't love this class, um, oh, I. I mean, he was. I would definitely take the one twelve for Terrace Marshall right now in Dynasty. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I think anyone. I think Terrace Marshall. Wait, wait. So when did I, you make that trade? Last year? Yeah, last year. Before the year? Um, yeah, during um, minicamp. Okay. Were you like really confident in your team, or were you like this first kid end up being a mid twenty two first, and I'm still gonna give it for Marshall? Um, I was really confident in my team. Um, I, I I did so... end up winning the championship, so. It, it worked out worked out okay, but I just I took it. Yeah, I took a risk on him, and um, I just didn't do enough research on him. Like I just I was like I said, I was just so enamored with Jefferson and Chase that I just I knew that he was going to be this awesome prospect because he was, you know, in in the same um, receiving core as those two guys and. That's and okay. now, now everyone knows he's bad, so we can just move on. Yeah, about him. I I did put him on the block in in every league that I own him. But any takers? No. <laughs> I, I if you have anyone that if you're in a league with people on Twitter, you're not going to get any biters on Terrence Marshall. You just yeah, yeah. I I'm not in a ton of Twitter leagues because I joined a bunch of leagues last off season and that was really before i was on twitter Mm -hmm. and so it was with a bunch of sleeper people like i um, i'm in a couple of those but i'm in some uh i joined some twitter leagues uh this year and they've been nice and yeah marshall i i joined two twitter leagues and one of the twitter leagues literally everyone ran away from running back yeah me too and i ended up with like connor and edmonds both of them in round 12 or something i'm like all right whatever i'll take it see i i i zagged so everybody was going wide receiver tight end Mm -hmm. qb and so i ended up with robust robust rb i i have dalvin chubb montgomery dobbins henry and devin singletary this team's gonna turn to dust in 2023 (laughs) my boy yeah but if i can win two championships i can start six running backs in the league like it's Two RB, four flex. <laughs> nah, that sounds nice. Uh, your team's probably going to end up well. well. What are your wide receivers then? Um, Mike Evans, Brandon okay. Cooks, mm-hmm. um, and Darnell Mooney. <laughs> so mm. seems like it's a uh, seems pretty. What's it's the, a win now. What's the? Oh yeah, win now. That's a nice way to put. It. I was going to say unsustainable, but win now sounds a yeah. lot better. Yeah, it's a win now, and then um, it's going to be a long road to recovery 
Yeah, I think I don't I don't I'm not gonna like point fingers at anything. I think people overestimate their abilities to win championships. It's a lot it's a lot uh a lot more variance than people think. Yeah. I mean I don't know. I feel like if I had that kind of core, I would try to reload a little bit. I don't know. It's a solid core though, for sure. Yeah. Well and there's potential one running backs that hopefully aren't mine go down, then I can <laughs> offload them for that's right. For some future picks and and yeah, get some young wide receivers. You got some young running backs too. They'll um they'll carry some good value. You yeah. got some old running backs and some yeah. young ones, but uh, yeah, I mean I, I knew once I hit the draft button on Derrick Henry in the seventh round that yeah. he's gonna die on my roster. Oh, totally. In the yeah. seventh round, I'm totally fine with that. Oh yeah. I yeah. did the same with Aaron Jones in like the ninth. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I mine think, and he's gonna die on my roster. These, good enough. Yeah, these twenty six year old plus running backs nobody wants them like dalvin i got in the fifth i was just like right i gotta take him there like last year he was a first round pick right i got camara in the fifth in one of my startups just now it's crazy no one wants these guys i got sick one in the in the um, early fifth too it's just yeah that's i'll take him. that's insane to me i think i think he's still pretty young he's 25 but yeah, and I still got like multiple years of production left, and he mm-hmm. has a really high ceiling. Yeah, and a year off the ACL, I think he's gonna he's gonna come back and he's gonna look good this next season. Yeah, people um with these running backs, I think at twenty six, you're fading them too early, and so mm-hmm. it seems like it's a good time to buy them at at certain at the depreciated prices. I know every market in your dynasty league is local, but if there's a guy like I'm totally interested in buying these guys for. Uh, their depreciated prices based on their ADP and then just letting them retire on my roster because it used to be like um, at 26, that's like, it, that's prime age for production, right? Like right. 24, right. 26 running back production, that's prime years. And then the decline starts to come after that, but the value cliff hits a lot sooner. And so people. Yeah. Uh, kind of once they hit 26, people are like, I want nothing to do with these people. Like Aaron Jones, I think it's ADP is like, around the 10th round it's yeah and the guys he's aaron Rodgers' number one wide receiver and number one running back um right (laughs) i don't know i don't get the aj dylan people either like aj dylan's not very good he's okay he's a solid nfl player but he's not gonna he's not a very good fantasy player because he's mediocre committee back well i think the thing is that they their expectation is that he's going to turn into Derrick Henry like this because he's also 250 pounds of course yeah Um, but it also the that backfield is reminiscent of um DeMarco Murray and um or Dion Lewis and Derrick Henry there we go I think so except in in Tennessee and Jones uh, being a lot Lot, lot better than Dion Lewis. Yeah, I but totally the, get it based on the, size. Yeah, that's the comparison they're making, and it's just it it's ridiculous. And so I I don't have mm-hmm. a single share of of AJ Dillon. I've got over over his, 20. his range of outcomes is very small. His high end of his range of outcomes is that he's a committee back, and the low end of his range of outcomes is that he's a committee back, and so yeah. he's not interested in it. Yeah, he, it's. I'll I'll let people take AJ Dillon in the sixth round every time. All right, exactly. 
All right. I think that's going to wrap it up here. Um, Akash, where can we find you, your content, and all that fun stuff? That's right. I get to plug my socials. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, You can find me on Twitter at YZR underscore fantasy. Uh, I had someone tweet at me just a couple days ago that they're going to block me because I don't have anything to contribute, and all I do is make bad jokes. So if you're (laughs) interested in that, come follow me. Maybe uh, you'll also try to block me because of my bad jokes but maybe you might actually like it and then if you want to find me actually talking about um football and not just tweeting at luke sawhook to get some <laughs> female companions <laughs> then uh you find me on the bulletproof fantasy football youtube channel um where i host the r squared podcast with dynasty underscore i am who also does fantastic work and so we're there um always talking about dynasty fantasy football if you're interested in that come check us out awesome thank you so much for coming on the show always love talking football and i will try to make bad bad jokes on twitter with you just so you're not alone yeah if you're not memeing you're not trying like it's literally (laughs) social media if you're taking it too seriously it's not going to be fun yeah yeah it's definitely something that you have to have fun with and and if a couple of people block you in the process what's what's the big deal exactly (laughs) all right thank you again akash yeah it's fun